Aloha and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph brings part three of Dare to Ask. And now with the conclusion of our message, here's Pastor Ralph. When you go to Numbers, there's a lot of story in Numbers, but it's a census. That's why it's called Numbers. But as we break into the story here, this is the place where the people of Israel have been living as slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And God has set them free in a miraculous and violent way. And they're on their way to the land that God promised to give them. And it starts out Moses giving instruction to 12 people. It names them in the verses before we're going to read here. And he tells them to go and spy out the land. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 14, All the people began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. And their voices rose in a great chorus of complaint against their leaders, Moses and Aaron. We wish we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they wailed. Why is the Lord taking us up to this country only to have us die in battle? How many of you have thought that? Why did the Lord bring me into this position only to defeat me here? We don't understand spiritual warfare. We don't understand who our enemy is. And we often put on the Lord the things that Satan is doing to try to destroy us. And, and so they go on in verse 5. Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground. These are very expressive people. They fell face down on the ground before the people of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, the only two who had faith of the 12 spies, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. Again, very expressive. They said to the community of Israel, the land we explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he'll bring us safely into that land and he'll give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. He will give it to us. Verse 9, underline this. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid. He goes on to say, don't be afraid of the people of the land. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid. They equate fear to rebellion against God. Now what's that all about? Unbelief is faith in Satan. Belief is faith in the Lord. And so they say, don't rebel against the Lord and unbelief. And the, and the people now begin to think about stoning not only Moses and Aaron, they want to kill Joshua and Caleb. And, and God gets mad. And God and Moses have a little talk. We're not going to go into it by reading it. But God says to Moses, I'm done with these people. It's, it's over, through, over with. I'm not letting any of them go into the land I promised them. I'm going to let them all die of old age. And then I'll take their children into the land that I promised. Except Joshua and Caleb, who believed me, those guys are going to get to see the victory that they're holding out for. Now I want us to fast forward, and we're going to look at Caleb's life at the point that he and Joshua are doing business now, and they've gone into the land. So when we move from where we're at in Numbers to where we're going to go in Joshua, Joshua chapter 14, 45 years have gone by. And it goes Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. So go right to Joshua chapter 14. See, what is it that is you need that's out there and you don't even know how to pray for it and it's infinitely more than you would ever dare to ask or hope? I've told you the story about the dumbness of us all that we got up here and we all said to build and we start digging 
and clearing the land. We got to that point. We cleared the land. We cleared the brush off the land. And then we began to realize we've got to find some place to put the dirt. We hadn't even considered it. And, it, you know, I always make jokes. You've got to go buy a hole in the ground and fill it up. You can't. That would be a wetland. You have to find some land that you can dump 6,000 of those long semi-trucks loaded of dirt on to get rid of the stuff. And it just coincidentally happened that Bayview Golf Course got their building permit at the same time we did and came to us and said, if you got extra dirt, we want it and we'll pay for the shipping. $600,000 worth of shipping. See, we were in this spot that these guys were in. There's no way we can do any of this. Our back is against the wall. We're too stupid to even know it. What I'm talking about here is, is this. It's not God help me do the possible. What I'm talking about is, God, I need help with the impossible. I need your kingdom to come into this world and invade what's going on here and change my life circumstances. And if it doesn't happen, I'm in deep, deep, deep kimchi. And so I am just putting it all in your hands. I'm investing my trust in you. Am I getting anywhere with this? Well, let's, let's look at this guy, Caleb. Oh, thank you. I want you to see Caleb and realize that, the, that we're reading every scripture that has his name in it in the whole Bible this morning. We will, in 10 minutes from now, have read everything there is about Caleb. This isn't somebody like David who became the king who's famous in Israel for centuries. And you read about him all over the scripture. This is an ordinary Joe. He's the guy that when the people didn't want to go in the land, you didn't hear Joshua piping up. It was Caleb that spoke. But Joshua is the guy who ends up leading them into the land. So Caleb is like not Superman. He's just a, a, a guy. You know, he gets involved in the process and he fights the battles and he wants to fight one more battle here. We're going to read it. But he's a guy like you and me. He's, he's a guy who struggles with his struggles. And, and it, in, in verse 6 of chapter 14, it says, A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, there's five things that are important in what he says. You might want to mark them. Number one, remember what the Lord said. He goes on and finishes the sentence, but underline those words. Remember what the Lord said. That's what you and I need to do. What has the Lord said about this? Either what has he said in the Bible about it, because I can take that to the bank, or what did he say to me in my prayer life about it? See, when we got this land, we knew the Lord said this was the land by the very odd circumstances by which the land came to us. The, the whole deal about, there, there's a guy that came from another church and he joined our church, and he said, I came here on a mission. I'm going to find you land to build on. God sent me to do this. Now, I laughed at that. I go, yeah, sure. Because we had, we had researched really well. We knew what we were doing. This was going to be a hospital up here. Like a, like a nursing home kind of hospital. And so we... We go, there's no land. There's no nothing. You're not going to find anything. And then their deal fell through and he ends up with the listing and somebody else is trying to snake the listing and all of that. And, 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 and then he comes back and he goes, I told you I was going to get you land. And now my mission's done. I'm going back home to my church. Bye. 
And we knew that God had put us here. We knew that God, in, by his actions, said something to us. And so we, like Caleb, can say, remember what the Lord said. And he says, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and I gave from my heart a good report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people and discouraged them from entering the promised land. Now here's number two. For my part, I followed the Lord my God completely. That's a question you need to ask yourself. For your part, are you following the Lord your God completely? Because here's what I found. It's, the scripture says, if you search for me with your whole heart, you will find me. If I search for the Lord half-heartedly, I won't find him. If I search with my whole heart, I will find him. I talked to a young man this morning. He's, he's involved in our junior high ministry. He's involved teaching, doing some other things. And, and, and you know, he's, he's, just a, he's just a bala life. And he's a little bit of a, I mean, if you, some of you guys saw him, mature people, you go, he's a goofy kid. He just happened to just slip out. And he was embarrassed when he did that, that, that he's on a fast. He's fasting and seeking the Lord. He's looking for direction in his life. Search for the Lord with your whole heart. You'll find him. And he says, for my part, I followed the Lord my God completely. Verse 9, that day Moses promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your special possession. That part you spied out is yours. And that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive. And, and well, as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. He was 40 when he was a spy. 40 years went by, and now they've had five years of battles. He's been fighting other people's battles. And he goes in verse 11, I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on the journey. I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. Underline those words. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on the journey. If you're walking with the Lord, the Bible says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I want you to know that me personally, I, I feel, I, I've been telling everybody, I feel as strong now as I felt when we started this church. Actually, I feel as strong as I did in 1971 when we started the first church. I just bought a surfboard. I'm going back in the water. He says, he says I, can, I can still come in and go out in one text of the Bible. And I was offered a, a job recently. I would be able to keep this job, but I would become the president of a Christian college. And I don't want to be the president of anything. And as I was thinking about it, though, because there was a whole lot of guilt and condemnation coming from my friend who was trying to press me into service here, I... I uh, I, I just didn't want anything to do with it. And, and I was, a guy was in my living room and he said something about Caleb. And he said, you know, Caleb talked about when he was old, he was still able to come in and go out. And I thought, and it's like the Lord spoke to me through that. It's like, that's part of my, part of my role in the body of Christ is to come in and go out. In December, I have to go to a meeting. They're taking the top 30 church planters in the United States. And, and they got a bunch of money, these people. And they want to figure out how to go out and plant 500,000 churches in the next 20 years. Now, you've got to understand, we're not going to use seminaries. We're not going to use denominational structures. We're going to push all that aside and go, what do we, how do we get back to the simplicity of the New Testament? Because that's the only way you could pop 500,000 churches. But we know how to do that. 
I need to be able to go out and come in and, and, and do the thing I do. And I still do it real well. And I'm still strong as I ever was. Do you believe that? Well, now let me tell you something. I, I wasn't actually going to do this. I was going to announce this about a month from now. But I just, you know, you get to going and you get ahead of steam and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to stop. So at 8 o'clock I said this, so I'm going to say it now. We have a plan. Our plan is that by December of this year, at this service, Carl Moore will be the main preacher. I'll come in as a guest from time to time, but he's going to be the main guy. Now, he's the guy you saw in the video. He happens to be my son. That's not why he's the youth pastor. He's the youth pastor because he planted two churches while he was in Bible college, helped a guy plant a third when he came out, and had a youth group of 120 high school kids in a church of only 250 people. And we thought, this guy's got what we want, and we went out and hired him. And we went from 85 to 250 in about a year and a half. So we're cooking. They think they're going to have 100 prayer cells on Castle High School campus this year right from the get-go. But we have decided that as we look to the future in our church, we are going to approach... See, I think I can do what I'm doing when I'm 75 or 78 years old, and I intend to. My, my goal is to be the pastor of a bunch of aging, crotchety, still trying to be cool baby boomers. <laughs> and you know who I'm talking about. But we think that there, there needs to be a statement, a bold statement, that says that we're not going to become a, a gray-haired church. And we want to be a five-generation church. We are that right now, and we want to remain that. And we think there's going to be a tipping point at which that, that, that we don't do that anymore. And we become a church for, you know, Xers and boomers. And we know we've got to reach down. And so we're, we're going to make this move. Now, I want to just tell you, it's the only move. It's not one of a series of, well, next year he's going to drop another service and he's going to drop another service. No, no, it's the only move. Maybe eight years from now, we'll talk about restructuring somehow. Uh, but right now, this is where we're going. And, and we're, not, we're not going there because I'm getting infirm. You know, I was sitting on a stool. I like sitting on a stool when I teach because I get more talky and less preachy. But somebody came to me and said that they were at work and their friend said to them, uh, oh, you go to that church with, where the, the pastor's crippled. And he goes, he's not crippled. And he goes, well, he sits on a stool. So now I'm standing. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to this. Is that okay with you? And if you come here and you feel like, oh, you know, I don't feel comfortable with Carl. I want to hear the old guy. He knows, well, you come at 8 o'clock. Or come on Saturday night. We have good times on Saturday night. And, and uh, we actually may be adding some services. You know, that we've been growing. Uh, we, we know that we'll fill the auditorium and then kind of shrink back and fill it and shrink back. And so we may pop another service on Saturday night. Uh, we might pop a real early one on Sunday morning. Uh, we, we may shift the schedule just a little bit. But uh, we, we want to accommodate whatever the Lord's trying to do in our midst. But moving on, he says, I'm as strong now as I was when I was young. Here's the fourth thing, verse 12. I'm asking you to give me the hill country the Lord promised me. There comes a point where you just go, this is it. This is what I need. And now we ask God. I'm asking for the mountains in my life. I'm asking you to do the thing that seems impossible. 
He's able to do infinitely more than we would ever dare ask or hope, infinitely more than we would crave. And then he says, verse 5, if the Lord is with me, I'll drive the enemies out of the land, just as the Lord says. I'll have victory. God will do the thing that needs to be done. We need to learn to pray, not with a sense of religious duty, but pray with a sense of we're downloading what we need from heaven. Let me finish with a story. I know I've been long this morning, but this is what you get when you come at 10 o'clock. It's, I, I go long. The other night I met a young guy who uh, five weeks ago, he says, I spent my life uh, drinking and getting in trouble and I, and I used to love to get into debates with Christians and try to t- take their faith away from them. And he said, I would do it either by trying to argue them into a hole or by taking them drinking. And he found the Lord through an unusual set of circumstances. Uh, God reached out and, and transformed his life and really transformed his life. He is, he is drastically different. We're seeing things like this happen. There's, there's, just, there's been some strong, strong miracles. There's a, there's a young man that I know uh, I'm looking for him. He may be sitting here. I saw him between services. Who, who, who grew up in Japan, half Japanese, half uh, Haole, and that gives you trouble in Japan. His father was a missionary. He became very famous as an athlete in Japan. Uh, then he injured himself, and he moved to California, and he, he ended up uh, famous in the, in the recording industry, not as a singer, as a, as a technician. And and uh, it, he'd, he'd stayed in my house years ago when he was just a little kid. And uh, he called my son, and, and, and then he came over here. He just looking for spiritual help. He said that I've turned into an alcoholic in the last two years, and I'm out of control. And uh, spent a weekend here. We prayed with him. He went back to California, and, 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 he, and he's struggling. He doesn't want to drink anymore. But all of a sudden, when he does drink, it makes him sick. And he's mad about it. <laughs> the kind of stuff you go through. You, you, you know God's doing something. It's not quite the way you wanted it to be. So you're ticked off. And, 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 but God's working. And so that problem's been dealt with. And, and, in, and then he's offered a huge contract. Make a lot of money staying there. And, and, but he knows it's time to. So it's like sink or swim here. I got to get serious with the Lord. And so he, he, he just sort of left everything behind and moved over here about three weeks ago. But he was, he, was, he was at a point where God's doing good things, but I sit in worship and my, my skin crawls, my face gets drawn. I feel something's wrong in my spirit. I just can't handle being in this room while people are singing and worshiping. We prayed for him and nothing happened. This was last week on Thursday night, a week ago. Last week on Sunday, Saturday, he was getting ready to go back to California on Sunday and give up. On Saturday, he, he's standing at the back door out here just helping, just being a good guy. And, he, and, and, he, and they were handing out flyers. It was this prayer event we did. And, and this little lady who's about 80 years old goes walking out the door, and he hands her a flyer, and, and she turns around, and this woman is a prophet. I talked to her two days later. She knew that God was telling her to speak. She didn't know any of what she was talking about. She said, I was just saying the words the Lord gave me. And she turns around and it's like she knew everything but his social security card number. And she starts talking to him and, she, and in the middle of it she says, don't give in to despair and don't leave. And he knows it's a word from the Lord. I talked to her later. She knew it was a word from the Lord. She had no idea the weight of it. And I just happened, by the way, 
to bump into her. It was another one of those God things that we even talked. And we spent a half an hour talking about you. She was in shock at what had happened. See, God's doing stuff. When I talked to this young guy in, in big alcohol problem, big fighting problem, big trouble problem, he gets saved. And, and, and he's, he's Vietnamese, but he's born and raised in the United States, and he sp oh, speaks English. And, and the, the U.S. government taught him Vietnamese and gave him a job where he goes back into Vietnam and he has to negotiate with people in Vietnam. And, and he goes there about four times a year. And now he's falling in love with a woman there. And they're going to get married. And he's a Christian and she's not. And she doesn't understand his Christianity. And at first she's resistant to it. She resents the fact that he's not available to talk to her all the time. What they do is they, they converse in a chat room on the internet because it's free. And he's not available, and she's jealous. She's feeling hurt. She's upset. And then one night, he's at a Bible study. She doesn't like that because he's not there. He's at a Bible study, and he ends up staying until 2.30 in the morning, so he didn't get to communicate with her at all. And the next day, she asks him, were you at a Bible study last night? Because you could think he's out carousing. And, she goes, and he goes, yes. And she goes, I thought so. Something in my spirit told me you were there and made me feel peaceful. He began to share the Lord with her. And he says, it's really hard because I, I speak Vietnamese, but I don't speak spiritual language in Vietnamese. And when it comes to the Bible, I got to have a dictionary there every second. So he had gone out and he found a bookstore that had one Vietnamese Bible. And he got that so he could share with her. He's, that's his Bible. He's got his dictionary. And he's typing to her. And she accepted the Lord. Now he decides he wants to get the Bible to her and he knows a way to do it through the United States Embassy. He knows a person that's going in and, and, they, and, they, and because the Bibles are illegal in Vietnam. You can buy a Bible in China now. It's legal there. But Vietnam is still illegal. And so how do you get a, a, a Bible to a person who can't even identify themselves as a Christian in their culture or they're, they're going to be in trouble with the government? And, and so he finds somebody who's a back channel who can get the Bible in. But that person hates the gospel and hates Jesus Christ and took the Bible saying that they were going to deliver it and then threw it away. And so there's no Bible. And so what do you do? You're, you're a new Christian. You know, here's the, here's the deal. The, the problem with people who've been Christians a while is we've been conditioned by other people who have lack of faith to not have faith. So they just do what the Bible says. They get together on the internet and they pray, Lord, send her a Bible. And one day later, through miraculous circumstances, a Bible is in her hands. It's hers. It's given to her. Now, this is a country where she can't say she's a Christian. The person who gave her the Bible can't go advertising for somebody to give a Bible to. It's just a very weird thing that an underground Bible ends up in her hands one day after they prayed. See, God is able to do the thing that we don't think he can do. Look at the scripture it's on the screen against the words from the text. He's able to do infinitely more than we would ever dare ask or hope. What would you dare ask or hope? What do you crave? What's lacking? What's missing? God's here and he's able and he wants to do that for you. Is this good? Feels right, huh? Well, let's all stand. So I want you to grab hands across the aisle and we're going to pray together. Simple prayer and then we'll be out of here.
God in heaven, I'm trusting you. I'm deciding to trust you. I got some problems. I got some challenges. And I got some opportunities. And I need your help with them all. Lord, teach me to rely on you. Teach me to rest in you. Teach me to open my mouth and ask for the things I need. Because you said that we have not because we ask not. Lord, teach me to ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Goodbye. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 